Welcome to the Secrets Women Keep podcast. I am your secret keeper and confidant, Lauren White. I'm a qualified counsellor and sexologist, madam of a secret society, author of permission, and a witty, highly intuitive lounge room dancing introvert. I help you as an exceptional woman in entrepreneurship to see, love, and trust all the parts of yourself, especially the unseen. Let's pull back the curtain, light the candelabra, and remove the mask. These are the secrets women keep. Hello, and welcome to the Secrets Women Keep podcast. I am your host and confidant, Lauren White, and today we have a very cosmic guest. Her name is Angel Phoenix, or you might know her as Angela Gallo. She is a former doula, a coach and mentor, an astrointuitive channel and an enigmatic eccentric a business futurist and branding boss that gets sensory marketing, gamifications, and all things sensuality. And as I like to describe her, she is here to wake women up that are sleeping and to remind them that they are, in fact, alive. Angel, welcome to the podcast. What a hell of an intro. Thank you for that. I actually forget how many cool things I do or how many cool things I've done and how many cool things I'm passionate about until you speak it in that specific way. So thank you for having me. You're so welcome. Thank you for saying yes. And full transparency, it was Angel that gave me the idea for this podcast back in May and June 2020. She planted a major seed when we had our brazen business coaching session. Sessions and I let it. I kind of just let mm-hmm. that seed. I just, I just put it into the earth and I, and I walked away from it. I walked away because I was just like, I can't do it. She, we talked about Secret Society, which I launched immediately after we discussed it, and a few other things that I took action on. But this one was like the. I'm just going to let that, I just can't, I can't go, I can't do it yet. It's not yet. And it was fascinating over that kind of Christmas break. It just got the full yes, a complete activation all of a sudden. It was like, oh, I'm doing it. It's, it's, it's happening. I can see it. It was, and it was very much like uh, preparing to writing my, preparing to write my book permission. I could just see the chapter yes. like unfolding. It was the same with this and the topics and the guests. And I was like, oh my goodness, if this feels like permission, then it has to happen. So thank you, Angel. This is all, this is only happening because of the words that oh, you you're going to make me Words cry. of wisdom you imparted. You're going to make me cry. Thank you. And I just wanted to say as well, you just said something that was so wonderful and reminiscent, of course, like, you know, the many conversations we've had and even the live we did, but that the permission is in the activation. And I think a lot of us are looking for someone to physically say, go and do the thing. And we disregard the feeling in our body that comes from being around those kinds of people and that feeling in our body that says, go and do the thing. And, you know, often we're looking for this lightning bolt to fall out of the sky and the strategy to roll out and the play-by-play to roll out. And we almost sabotage the integrity and the authenticity of of that mission, that magic that we want to make. And when you just trust that it's time, your body will tell you that's when shit happens effortlessly. So it's really beautiful to witness you and for you to be a, a living testament of what ease actually looks like. And that is getting the transmission from somebody, not getting the permission, and then not killing yourself or breaking your head 
head when it doesn't work out the way you want it to work out, but instead let it happen in the most authentic, organic way possible. That's how even the best secrets come to the surface. Yes, yes. And I'm so glad you're already talking about secrets because that's a major reason why we're here. Now, you have a really unique presence on social media where you reveal all of yourself. Now, normally I (laughs) ask my guests if they have ever had a bathroom stall moment, but with you, I know you have because you posted one (laughs) of yours. It was you in the shower in August 2020 bawling your eyes out. And to Mm. see someone in their bathroom stall moment online was absolutely gut-wrenching. To such a private moment on a public forum, I found it confronting in the most enlightening way because it required me to redefine whether the bathroom store moment had to be private or not. Can you talk me can you talk us through what it's like to share a moment like that with your audience and how do you know the moment to be visible with your secrets? Lauren, that is a beautiful question. Wow. Oh, you are taking me back and you are taking me back to that process. I remember being at the caravan park and it's not even my shower. So it's not even having a private moment in a public space. I was literally having a private moment in a public space. This was a this is like multiple showers in one bathroom. I'm sobbing my eyes out. And I remember having this epiphany, if you like, this this empathetically engorged epiphany where I felt swollen and raw, but also I was dancing in this revelation of if I feel alone, what am I going to do about it right now? And the discernment in whether our moments stay private and, and go public is, are you going to be one of those people who complains about being alone and does nothing about it? Or are you going to be one of those people who recognizes how isolated we've become, how far removed we are from connection, how our moments are actually this romanticized self-quarantine we impose ourselves in all the time and actually choose to do something radically different, which is lean into a space of perhaps emotional exhibitionism, electronic exhibitionism, so that you can be the beacon that seeks out the help and the kinship and the tending and the befriending and the sistership and all of the attention and affection you need in those delicate moments. And I made some major realizations that day in suppose even the definition of what confrontational looks like and how shocking it is to me that crying in public can be so offensive and cause so many reactions and cause so much conflict. And at the same time, the outpouring of support was one that I did not expect. So in it, I noticed even more disparities in society and even more dichotomies and even more differences because, you know, that's the world and that's the internet. But I think that day what I really, really, really saw highlighted was how disassociated we are from our emotions and therefore how alienated we feel from crying and how uncomfortable we we feel around seeing someone else cry, Mm. but how eager we are to support those who are fragile. 
and how eager we are to hear people in their vulnerability and in their secret and in their softness and how desperate we are to connect to people like us because in those tears people saw themselves and the confrontation only comes from whether we're willing to see ourselves or not it had nothing to do with me yes 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 it was everyone everyone that commented everyone that liked everyone that took an action of some sort from witnessing you in that moment, whatever their reaction was, it was their own reaction about themselves. It really wasn't about you. Mm, it wasn't. I think that it, that's the beautiful thing about, that's the beautiful thing about, again, the co-creation on the internet, right? The, the electronic exhibition and virtual voyeurism, it's the co-creation. It's the person sharing and it's the person watching. And there's, ne there's never any exchange there. It's just the energetic exchange of watching and sharing. I just think it's such an interesting place to be, specifically when we're talking about heightened emotions, because it's kind of like porn, emotional porn. Watching someone cry is like emotional porn. Mm -hmm. Now, we're already a society that stigmatizes and taboos regular porn we're not even anywhere near where we need to be we can't even fucking show our nipples online so you know if 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 nipples if there's a free the nipple campaign i recommend making a free the tears campaign because yeah. tears are the nipples of the face and we're yeah. still not ready to see them mm. and what i really appreciate about you sharing that moment is that you did see that outpouring of support, all of those comments, all of those women saying, I I'm with you, I see you, oh, my God, this was me 12 hours ago, like just the variety of mm. comments of women being moved by what they saw in you. But what I also love is that with you and with, and this is so human, within 12 hours you can be posting something totally different, that that bathroom yeah. storm moment does not mean that that is your perpetual state. It is merely oh. a release, right? And like you can experience so and express joy within hours of that moment. It's not, it's not something that you need to stay in. I was just wondering if you could give, yeah, just share your perspectives on how it could be a cathartic, moment and not um, mm. a protracted state of despair or depression. God, I love that. Your eloquence today is fire. <laughs> yes. Um, and sorry, I'm getting, I'm, I'm, obviously you can tell I'm a manifesting generator because as you're speaking, all you're hearing me say is, mm, yeah, oh, ooh, and I forget sometimes to mute myself so I don't interrupt <laughs> this recording. Uh, you should see when I eat food that I like. I'm like, oh, yeah. ah, it's crazy. <laughs> we need okay. more of that in the world. We always <laughs> need more oohs, ah, uh, mm. <laughs> Uh, and uh, yeah and I'm a manifesting generator too so we've got um yeah so we've got that meeting of the tongues going on but yeah yes. but please do share like just I will I will I will so I have a moment I do and I have a lot to say about this because I feel that the catharticism is and the confrontation again on the same token people are confronted because we label people who change emotions or change their minds as crazy and flimsy. If you, we live in a society, unfortunately, where we've been doctrined and convinced and sold this idea that one must be the same thing forever, that reliability is a value, 
punctuality is a value, staying the same forever is a value, and that if you veer from any of these realities, you are inconsistent, you are crazy, you should be institutionalized, um, no one's going to marry you, no one's going to want you, no one's going to give you the job. It's like this thing that you're told over and over and over again. When it comes to feelings, which you know we are a walking, talking, moving kaleidoscope of emotions that you're literally changing your feelings consistently. People like Osho talk about all, uh, all the time where it's like the bulk of our anger and depression, the shame, the grief, and the guilt comes from the fact that we remain stag- committed to stagnated emotions. So we think that because we're angry, there's a an ethical time frame in which one should stay angry for. We think that if we're grieving, we have to stay committed to that grief for X amount of time because in society, it doesn't look good if you grieve for less amount of time. We think that if you're unhappy, you have to stay unhappy because God forbid you're happy too quickly afterwards, you look bipolar. So people are so confronted by it. And the amount of people that tried to diagnose me with mental health issues on that post was shocking. So the amount of places and people that tagged me in things that were trying to tell me that I'm bipolar was fucking nuts. Excuse a double entendre. And that's because people are so like illiterate in human emotion that we can't even stand watching someone change emotion from happy to sad. And that was shocking to me. Mm. So I actually felt that like the, that the catharticism in that for me was changing my mind out loud, changing my mood out loud Mm. gives me permission to feel like no one's going to expose me because I'm already exposing myself. Yes. And I think one of the big things is that a lot of us hold on to who it is we are because we're so afraid of being found out. And one of my greatest pieces of, of advice I've ever been given and I'll give you is that the more you let people see everything, the less they have to use against you. So my mm-hmm. motto has always been that if all my secrets are allowed and spilled out, then nobody can extort me. Nobody can use who it is I am against me. And in a world of things like revenge porn or, you know, your nudes ending up in the wrong hands or screenshots and text messages that get used against you, I, I've always been very mindful of that. So essentially for me, it's kind of like, well, if I just actually let it all hang out for myself so that I can just let this, this feeling out somatically, people will just either have to deal with it get repulsed by it or get magnetized by it, but it's their prerogative and it has nothing to do with me. So the catharticism in it for me is like, I choose to be whoever the fuck it is I want all the time instead of being who does I want to be in, in private. Being that in public gives my private self more security, more safety, and more stasis to be in. But if I'm only myself when nobody's watching and I present the world the polished version of myself who only shows off emotions that are socially acceptable within social timeframes, I'll never have that peace within my secret self. Yes. And this is the paradox. I love a good paradox. After being a sexologist for a long time, you learn all about the paradox. <laughs> paradox is coming With, out the asshole. Yes, yes. Yes. But the paradox here is that people keep their secrets to self-protect, but you're doing the complete opposite to self-protect. Bingo. That's fascinating. Bingo. Bingo. Thank you very much. You're the first person who actually understands that because I try to explain it. I, I literally expose myself to protect myself. So if you look at statistically people who hide 
choose to remain anonymous are actually significantly more at risk of being assaulted, abused, murdered, institutionalized because there is no support. If they go missing, nobody notices. So actually, statistically, we're looking at some of the basic stuff like DV, uh, people who go missing or are kidnapped, people who uh, go actually are dead in their apartment, but nobody finds them for three weeks. The less seen you are, the more likely you are to die, perish, or be injured and nobody noticed. Furthermore, people like opportunists, extortionists, criminals, they look for the fear of being exposed in people as things they can use against them. Yes. Yep. I don't want that. I want freedom. And freedom will only come in me knowing that I'm in full control of what is exposed, but I'm ahead of it by exposing it before anybody else does. Yes. Yes. You're always one step ahead. You're always mm-hmm. in the lead. So in fact, my secrets are my weapons. They're my arsenal. Mm. They're my, not my defense mechanism. That puts a major spin on how people traditionally perceive and utilize and conceal their own secrets. Mm. This is also, by the way, in every retreat, every workshop I've ever done, any class I've ever done, this conversation comes up because people, particularly in social media training, people cannot wrap their head. I know you get it because we get off on this stuff, but a lot of people cannot even, you know, when someone, when someone participates in a cognitive dissonance, right, around the psychology of secrets or secrets or it's, they're not ready to have that conversation. They really truly will, will righteously, they'll righteously dress their secret keeping in every shade of the rainbow. They'll just be like, well, I stay private because I'm a private person. And you know, that's bullshit. It's a projection of the fact that they're deeply insecure or they have something to hide. It's like people who are on Tinder dating profiles and say that they don't have a social media profile because they're private. Statistically speaking, they're more likely to be psychopathic, sociopathic, and abusive. If we look at red collar criminals, those who literally are nowhere to be found are the ones who are terrified of being exposed and need to stay four steps ahead of the people they're abusing. Mm. So, but people don't want to have those conversations because they don't want to admit that actually secret keeping right now in society is a bad thing. And, 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 you know, there's the, I could talk about this for hours right now but if you look into why people keep secrets in 2020 you will see that the secrets we keep can be divided into two groups one the f- deep deep fear of being taken non-seriously being disrespected falling below the food chain if you like um losing your job losing your lover like basically losing your hierarchy your spot in the hierarchy okay falling below it being stuck in this fraud or imposter syndrome feeling less than and the other secrets is literally having double lives, personalities, uh, mental illness issues, like these, these secrets that are convoluted, not even just like secrets about, oh, you know, I like to wear men's underwear, so, like secrets that actually you're like, no, nobody can know this about me. It's my, almost my demons. That's a better way of describing it. Secrets as demons. So it's secrets from people who are so desperate to be exposed at the risk of falling below where it is they want to be in the hierarchy and secrets coming from people who actually have all these demons and all these inner beasts that they don't, they don't want the world to know about. Then there, of course, the overarching theme is that 98% of people have a public life, a private life, and a secret life. 
99.9% of people are lying at any moment of any day. And whether that's a white lie or not lie, but we're in a culture that's a right or wrong culture. We're in a culture where we think honesty is the best policy, but nobody's being honest. We're in a a, a culture where authenticity is like the new buzzword, but everybody vilifies the person who's trying to be authentic and tell the truth. Yes. Where it's this or in this, like where I actually think we're in the middle of a massive breakdown and dismantling around what truth means, what integrity looks like, what honesty means, what, what I suppose secret privacy and public looks like. I think we're in a world of the dismantling of celebrity culture. I think we're in a world where all of this is falling apart and moving forward, it's going to radically change how we show up. Because for example, if social proof comes along and we create a social proof system where you can only start buying a house or buying a car or buying a business with social proof, sort of like the black mirror episode. Okay. Mm, It's like how our Uber, you know, how, how our Uber rating, why we have Uber ratings, why we have Uber Eats ratings, why we have fucking Airbnb ratings. We're moving towards a culture where credit score means less, mm. right? And actually who it is you are out loud means more. Yes. So in the future economy where human capital is more, your secrets will actually help. They're an asset. So the more you put out loud and the more you allow people to resonate with you, connect with you and th- therefore believe you and trust you and be loyal to you, the more likely your social ranking will increase as what we know an influencer or a personal figure. And then the more likely you are to be lent money to, to be sold a business, to get this kind of stuff. So we're actually moving towards a culture where you won't be able to date without social proof. You will not be able to get a job without social proof. We see this right now. People cannot get a job unless they have social media profiles that tell the truth behind the resume. Well, I'll be damned. Mm. What if people don't get married anymore unless there is something behind who the person says it is they are to vet them before they get married? Mm. What if secrets become this like, and it's no longer a secret. It's like, no, tell us who it is you really are because we'll find out. Why does every government politician have vetting teams? You know, before you can even be a celebrity, go for a movie, do anything important. Your, I mean, every record of your history, every altercation, every parking ticket is logged. Why not get ahead of that by letting it all hang out? Mm. Yes. So the new currency will be truth. The new your currency truth. will be authenticity. The new currency will be congruence. Thank you, fucking hallelujah. The new currency and we're already about 20% there. This is the resistance is coming from people trying to pretend. The new currency is going to be authenticity in that you're messy, ever-evolving, ever-changing truth. Meaning your truth as it changes moment to moment. Meaning your ability to be wrong about everything. Your ability to basically change your mind so often that you're comfortable with the fact that your truth is changing. Because the bulk of the problems we have on this planet right now, not to digress, are from the fact that people remain committed to truths that change. If you remain committed to a truth that changes, you are headed for disaster. We're so afraid to say we were wrong. We're so afraid to apologize. We're so afraid to change. It creates conflict and basically exacerbates this culture where nobody can share their secrets. But if you're willing to actually over-communicate your secrets, the kind of culture and climate that creates is one of openness, one of intimacy, one of, of, of closeness that, that creates this honestly like utopic existence where my voice can be whatever it wants to be at any given moment without it being used against me five minutes from now. 
I feel this. <laughs> I feel this. I feel this. I don't know that it's going to be the fastest integration, but it it's won't. It'll be, it won't be that fast, but it could be faster than we think. And I mean, sorry. yeah, sorry, go on. So I'm so sorry. I was just going to say that I, in the 15 years that I've been working in social media, every single trend, quote unquote, that I have integrated myself into as a, as a, you know, every trend that has felt good and authentic to me that I felt would be the, the climate in the future. Every single one of those has, has come true. Mm. And so I, I know within my guts that the way that I secure a position for myself in society in the future is down to two things, my willingness to be seen and my willingness, how can I say this? My willingness to be seen and like almost not a celebrity culture, but you know, most people are afraid of being seen and heard. So they hide, they hide for so many reasons and they, they're terrified of a reality where all eyes are on them, right? They're deeply insecure. It's just a, a, they think that that would be their worst nightmare to have all eyes on them. Whereas for me, as an exhibitionist, I'm like, nope, the medicine isn't being seen. So my willingness to be seen is part one. Secondly, it is my ability to understand that the, the future is on the internet and the, uh, the truth that exists on the internet. Because I found that people are much bigger liars than they allude to. And all of the people that have betrayed me or been dishonest, or whether it's, you know, I hire a website designer who says they're going to do X, Y, Z thing, and I hire them based on their word or their portfolio, and I'm so impressed with them. And then lo and behold, that that wasn't the case and they don't deliver on the website. Or I hire uh, an electrician and that electrician is someone that, you know, pretends to be my friend. And then lo and behold, uses everything that they've ever seen about me against me. And they've lied about everything, but I didn't know about it. And they didn't have a social media profile. The website people didn't have a social media profile. Any person I've dated without a social media profile has, has hurt me. Every single person that has ever robbed me has been someone who did not have a social media profile. Mm. I believe that my willingness to be online and actually be brutally honest about where I'm at all the time and my willingness to ad adopt the currency of the future right now while being seen is what is going to secure me a place in the future because by the time we get there, I will have already had 18 years under my belt of trackable digital history of who, it, who I am, where I've been. And that's a lot more than credit rating. Mm. Does that make sense? Yes. It's hard to kind of dissect it in a way that, because ultimately the people doing the harm in the world, they do not have active social media profiles and that's not a coincidence. So by making social proof the example, people will have to step up and start being more honest or they will not be able to even pay their bills. Yeah. Yeah. Which takes us to relationships. You know, imagine now how that up levels the necessity to communicate secrets in our personal lives. So how much more secretive are we getting, sorry, how much more exposing of secrets are we becoming in our relationships? Relationship to self, relationship romantically, platonically, friends. And then if our secret life becomes public, wow, what does the abyss of our secrets start to look like? What do we exhume and excavate from there? And that's what excites me. 
Because mm. if I'm getting more and more out loud, and there's always something that's o- only kept between myself, me, myself, and I, it turns me on to think about the future and how deep my personal relationship with, with self will go in direct correlation to how my secrets become public. Yes. There's always more, right? There is always, always. more. Always more. What are you willing to see? And then there's something else. Yes. Yeah. There's always something else. And that's why holding on to your secrets is inherently dangerous because you never, ever, ever get to feel yourself. You don't get to see yourself. You don't get to those depths within your own persona and your own sense of satisfaction in your life. And your curiosity is switched off. Your sense of adventure is switched off, but you follow the breadcrumbs. You start to befriend your secret self, your private self, and your life is richer. It's more colorful. It's fuck you're alive. And I think as well that when we do not share the secrets, it stunts our growth. Yes. Right. Yeah. It's almost like, absolutely. And then on the other side is that if you ever want to grow quickly, secrets and sharing them are like steroids. Mm. The more you share, the more you grow. The more mm. you allow yourself to see yourself in this, the more that explodes. And that makes yeah. a huge, huge difference. Yeah. 100%. Now, 2020 was about loss for a lot of people, loss of hope, loss of expectations, plans, health. For you, it was loss on steroids. You died a thousand times last year and rebirthed yourself a thousand and one times more. So for anyone who doesn't know you, could you share your story of loss and rebirth from last year? Oh, gosh. Well, <laughs> the condensed version. <laughs> let's, get, let's get you the Cliff Notes version, baby. Yes, yes. Maybe more of a focus on the rebirth. <laughs> I will, in, in a few, as few words as possible, say that much like the births of my children, much like the gestation and birth process of you know, any, anybody else, how can I explain this? Massive catalyzing pregnancy birth scenarios where there's no way that you can escape it being the, the person you were when you went on in. That's what 2020 gave me. Ironically, I started that year with a heap of predictions and a heap of introspections around this year being the year that we get crystal clear clarity and that the crystal clear clarity would only come in our willingness to pull up the rose-colored glasses, to pull up the sunglasses, and to really see things for what they are. So clarity of vision, 2020, only coming from our willingness to see things for what they really are. And that's what last year was. It was being impregnated, gestating, and birthing something that was so beyond me, it could only be the only way I accessed the clarity of vision I needed. Um, you know, the year before was the, the quickest growth I'd ever seen in my business and in my brand. I had a whole world tour planned. I had two books coming out. I had a massive PR campaign. I mean, TV, radio, media, the whole kit and caboodle. And to have everything go on hold to a standstill, I had two commercial spaces have to close. I mean, everything mm. that you could possibly everything that you can possibly imagine 
happened in a way that needed to be as violent and volatile as it was so that I could emerge where I'm at right now in the moment felt devastating. So it's like the, 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 it wasn't just a death, Lauren, like it literally felt like I was dying. We're talking miscarriage, liquidating a company, loss, relationship breakdown, (laughs) two commercial spaces, uh, moving five times, the world closing down, uh, having to close a course, deciding like I can't deal with this anymore, having to uh, really uh, reintegrate the bitch, like really reintegrate the bitch, come into this space that's like, no, 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 this is not going to happen. I need to learn how to be ruder. I need, I need to learn how to be wilder. I need to learn how to be more believing. And I need to actually look at the deep, deep confines of who it is I am. And I really, truly feel honestly on the lives of my children that it is the secret conversations I had with myself that kept me alive this year. Um, so many times I would literally have conversations with myself. I coached myself all year long. I, I loved myself. I held myself. I horrified myself. Um, and, and in that I was able to, to grow a new set of balls, a new set of wings, uh, a new belief system, a new ethos, a new philosophy, everything else in between. I, I don't think that I could be who it is I am right now if that hadn't have happened and I know that future Angela will not exist. It would not have exist unless that happened. So my new motto is it's not, if it doesn't kill me, it makes me stronger. Not at all. It's that the more violent, the rebirth, the more powerful the existence Mm. and the more willing to take an ice pick and gnaw at every frigid construct within me, the more things are let out that I can build utopic worlds with. I'm letting that marinate because that mm-hmm. is powerful. Mm. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're alive. I'm so glad that you have the fortitude and you are galvanized enough to go through that because what I've witnessed in you and from what you've just shared, I think that would have taken so many people's lives had they have gone through what you've been through. Oh my God. I really, 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 really appreciate that. I honestly had some horrible, and I'm not even saying this from like a victim victim standpoint I just had some horrible moments where I felt like well I might as well just die because it would make more people happy um and just lost sight of myself lost sight of what I'm here to do lost sight of of my own power lost sight of my own personalities like all all just the fucking pits Lauren the pits, just the absolute stinky ass pits of the dirtiest ball sack you've ever seen in the world. <laughs> and it, in, in that, like being like, who the fuck, like, what was the point? Like just over and over again, mm-hmm. trying to ask the universe in my, like, you know, in my trauma response and everything. I'm like, what the fuck was the point? Like, why is this happening? What is going on? Now I get it. Now I understand because I was, I was so committed to things that were not reciprocating that commitment, whether that was people or places or students. And what that's done is it's like, this is my, another thing for me is that the more I lose, the more space I, I have to actually love from a place of sacredness. 
mm-hmm. the, the the more amount of 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 space I have to love from a place of sacredness, the the closer my inner circle is of people who actually receive my love language in a way that honors the integrity of who it is I am. Yes, and I've witnessed that as someone who is um, who consumes a lot of your content, and I've seen the same names, and I can just feel that sense of devotion within that inner circle that you have. Thank you, thank you so much. I have, I have. This year has taught me how to receive. The rebirth has taught me how to receive. I did not allow myself to trust women. And this year is the year that I that I forced myself to trust people. Uh, and in doing so, reimagined how I love, how I receive love. And I just have this beautiful inner group of friends who are all going through their own variations of this. Uh, which is important, right? When we share our pain with others, we realize our pain is not that big. When we share our woe is me pathetic moments, the secrets of deep, deep shame and deep grief and deep guilt, we actually are able to heal it quicker because we realize like, oh, it's not just about me. There's other people going through this. I'm not a horrible human being and this is why I'm dealing with it or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And that was really critical in my healing. I don't know what would have happened to me last did not have the people who were there for me, like specifically Peta, um, Peta Kelly, and Coraline Dufru and Danielle Arabina. Like Danielle, I, yes, yes, I would have spontaneously combusted, and um, th- that's truly I would have spontaneously combusted. So I, I know now, though, that the same gift that I give other people when I usher them through their own rebirths and how important how important it is to have someone hold your hand is that I needed a group of women around me, around my ashtray, around my tombstone uh, to hold me while I spontaneously combusted, burst into flame, into ashes. I needed people to hold the space while I actually became the phoenix. If I thought I knew what a phoenix was before, I was wrong. Just like my kids taught me that if I thought I knew who it is I was before I had them, I was really fucking wrong. That's what this year taught me. It's like, well, I mm. earned, I earned the phoenix. Yes. And now I feel more powerful than ever. And it's, it's, I really owe that to the women who insisted I, I remember I am when I didn't have the, the courage to. Yes. And you've made an absolutely brilliant point. And it's why I do what I do. When we share our secrets with women, we can go through a rebirth. We can grow. We can feel supported. We can receive. We can truly be in the feminine. So what are your words of wisdom to any woman who's holding herself back from sharing her secrets and revealing herself to other women? Sure. When we hold on to pieces of us and we hide them in other places so that people can find them, right? Like Voldemort and the Horcruxes, and I reference that a lot. You might survive, you might stay alive longer by segmenting your secrets or severing them and placing them in hidden places. And you might maintain your brand and you might, you know control the way people perceive you but you will fester and that commitment to that stagnation that commitment to not having your secrets exposed end up turning in on you and create this stifled form of expression i wouldn't wish on my enemies you turn into this 
cesspool where your expression cannot exist, where you poison your potential, you poison possibility, you become this walking, talking projection of judgment and bias and bitchiness and gossip. And that just keeps the patriarchal wound alive. That keeps misogyny alive. It keeps women fighting each other and it keeps women hating themselves. It's your moral obligation to be the true you so that other women can feel welcome, accepted, and celebrated in their truth so that they can feel safe in their expression. But also, it is betrayal to self when we do not allow our secrets to step out into the world and get the sunshine they need when they dance on the stage, when they command the audience. It's tragic to see us making it a dangerous world for ourselves and a dangerous world for others. Like the costs and the stakes are too high. You need to share secrets because secrets are what life is about the unseen, the unspoken, and the mm. unsung. Life is not worth living unless we are singing and we are sharing the secrets. If you are focusing on the holding back on what it is you want to say or holding back on who it is you want to be, you're simply creating prisons in your mind and in your body and also creating prisons for other people to live in because you can't find the audacity or the courage you need to step out and speak your truth. It's just not okay. Yes. It's just not okay. It's not even it's not even like the alternative's not that bad. The alternative is horrible and I personally don't want to see another 100 years of women institutionalized or abused or assaulted or or ill-equipped or disrespected because of this. I want to see a world where I can actually be who it is I want to be. Bathroom stalls, bedrooms, dance floors or the CEO wherever it is I am to feel free to change from emotion to emotion, opinion or opinion, season to season without having it used against me. And I want to live in a world where women's secrets are not extorted against them because trust me, it's not men who have their dick pics used against them. Mm. It's women who have everything used against them to get them to do the jobs that it is they need to do. And I'm not standing for that anymore. Yes, yes, I'm not either. And I hope and I'm sure our listeners feel the same. And you touched on an incredible point about the prison that we create for ourselves and therefore creating a prison for other women. So what Mm. I take from that is that when we share our true selves, when we share our secret selves, then we access freedom. And when we access freedom for ourselves, we can access or show women a way for them to access freedom for their selves as well. Mm, Absolutely. And that's the thing. It comes down to the freedom. Mm -hmm. Unless your expression is free, you don't know freedom. Unless your soul is free, you don't know freedom. And unless your secrets play, there's no access to the soul and there's no access to the speech and there's no access to the being and freedom never really exists. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Now, now that we've had... It's almost like we have skipped entree. We have skipped the <laughs> We have dived deep into almost like what Dita Von teases in, like the martini glass of like, <laughs> like I don't know, chocolate, deep chocolate, syrup and velvet. I don't know. That's just what I think. Mm. It's so interesting. When I talk to you, I see this like 
Art Deco ornate. Like I, I see. Oh, that fucking. I see. Like I always see these. I get these rich visualizations when I speak to you because you are just pure color to me. So many people Mm -hmm. in monochrome, and you are just color to me. Now, Angel, uh, when I finish up the podcast I well before we finish up the podcast I want to ask you some quick shoot questions so I would like you to answer straight from your womb just Mm. some quick questions um that help me tap into you and learn just that little bit more about you because I could be surprised. So it's like secret, like a secret session. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like just quick shoot secret questions. So what's your favorite sensation? What's your freshly exfoliated? Sure. Freshly exfoliated skin. So think sugar and salts and sand and bergamot and lime and coconut that leaves this most delicate oiled sensation on my son's on my sun kissed skin. So very like, you know, you've been in the sun all day, you do that exfoliating, you feel plump and salty and sweet. And then the feeling of silk, loose silk shirts and loose silk shorts and loose silk jammies. And then the feeling of a warm summer breeze coming in through a window. And that just late day sunset when everything gets ooey and gooey and the temperature drops and you feel sticky and you feel sexy and there's the sound of cicadas and just that feeling of aliveness. I love that sensation. I just like the feeling of warmth and the feeling of Southern Italian, Sicilian, blood orange trees, olive oil, Mediterranean, bronzed ass, coconut derriere. (laughs) Like that real feeling of summer, a summer all over me. And then that warm, almost Caribbean breeze against my skin on a summer night. Like I love that feeling and I love the feeling of my nipples, like without a bra, just my nipples erect under that silk shirt. And it's, you know, I've only got one button that's actually done. And as the wind shuffles my shirt and grazes my nipple, the secret conversation happening between me, my skin and my tit, that feeling that I love. Yes. Oh, you've just, I've just fallen into erotic poetry, right? <laughs> you know, I love it. an erotic poem. <laughs> and I'm all the better for it. <laughs> uh, what's your favorite secret place? The sauna. Mm. One of my favorite secret places is the sauna in my wetness and looking up at the red light while I have most likely a sound bath soundtrack on and it's super sensory, lots of really amazing noises. I'm off in fantasy land and I'm touching myself in the sauna and I'm usually sweating and squirting at the same time and nobody has any idea. Secrets of the sauna. Yeah, saunas turn me on. I did a I did a reel recently that was like, there's only one thing I think about in a sauna, and I think you know what that one thing is. (laughs) I 
just, it just, yeah, the heat is just, yeah, yes, so erotic. What's one secret talent you possess? Body work, for sure. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not so secret to the people that have worked with me or fucked me, but definitely, definitely body work. And then another secret skill that I have is uh, writing, erotic poetry. And I actually really, really love to make spicy margaritas. <laughs> I make a really good <laughs> spicy margarita. <laughs> and I'm really good at seducing secrets out of other people. Oh, most definitely. I can, yeah. <laughs> if anyone's got any doubt about that, as someone who's been on the receiving end of your work, I can give 101% <laughs> assurance that you are good at extracting secrets. Uh, I'll never forget. Um, I'll never forget. Yeah, you asked me what my biggest secret was and I told you within about 45 minutes of speaking to you. Um, <laughs> that's only for us. But um, <laughs> I, I shall not I shall not ask or revisit no. that. <laughs> What's your secret pleasure? I'm just such a sensory creature. Hmm. I don't feel alive unless I am living in that pleasure. So this is very like my hedonistic existence. Taurus moon is I'm deeply connected to I'm deeply connected to my femininity when I'm exploring my sensory needs. And on the vice versa of that is that if I'm not living in a sensory pleasure-based state, I feel like I'm deprived. I'm being deprived of the quality of life. So in that, I'm always finding different ways to experience pleasure every single day. One thing that really brings me a lot of joy is waking up early in the morning, going to my favorite coffee shop with a journal and a book, and my podcast in my ears, and people watching, writing, reading. Like I just love, love, love doing that. Uh, I, I, the amount of, so I literally will have a podcast in my ear while I'm reading a book or writing while I'm watching people go by and by all the chords you would think like, it's insane. How are you able to do that? But it's this almost orgy of multitasking orgy that just makes me feel so alive in the, in the first light of morning. And I just love it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I got this visual of, like the energy going in you as the energy comes out and just creating yes. this beautiful circle around you of like you need all of that input. You don't just need input coming into your body or input coming out from your body. You mm. need both to feel that sense of sensory wholeness. I really do. It's just little things like, you know, this morning I went, I uh, walked down and to the kind of like local area and I ran into five different people that I know and had really brilliant conversations and was cuddling my puppies and just little things where I can't get through the day and be my most productive creative self unless I'm starting every single day in that pleasure centric, sensory activated mode. Mm. Mm. Angel, who's also, yep. also slow, very, very slow pussy eating. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. In public, preferably. Yes, yes. <laughs> In 
the sauna wouldn't hurt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sort of, your quick shoot questions, I feel like we could almost combine them into one big retreat experience. Or oh, my God. Can you imagine? <laughs> like there's the sand, there's the sauna, there's the, oh. the, the journaling, the people watching. The, oh. Yeah, I'm getting oh. it. Uh, Angel, who's oh. one woman who has really seen you? You have mentioned some women, but who's one woman who's really seen you? The, the first, well, there's two people I know. The first one that I think of, she's dead, Anais Nin. Like before ah. the personal, I'll mention in a second, I feel like Anais Nin is the first woman who ever saw me. And she's the first woman who ever let me see myself. So I am so deeply, deeply indebted to her. Um, definitely encourage all of your listeners to go and check her out because she just I cannot even I started reading her work when I was maybe 18 and then from 18 to 26 just became absolutely fucking obsessed and that that made me feel seen uh and then Tessa Tessa who has been my friend for the last 11 years who has seen all and I mean seen it all she knows every dark deep dirty secret she has seen me at my worst she's seen me at my best she's seen me at my most scared she's seen me at my most powerful um and her her friendship and what it's done for me is uh, she's she's a hardcore Aquarius as well is that she and I know all of her secrets is like she could literally call me with anything and I am to listen and eager to see her in that moment and in that truth and that's what she gives to me there's nothing i could tell her that would make her squeamish <laughs> there's nothing i could tell her that would make her see me differently she is this person who has just been so in this nuance like just so medicinal to me for the last 10 years of of my of my rebirth like this persistent rebirth and i i don't know who i would be without her we love her. We all need a Tessa in our lives. We yeah. Mm. Seriously. <laughs> and last question, one-on-one conversation or mingling through a bustling soiree? Oh, God. <sighs> a time and a place for everything is what I want to say. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm the most introverted, extroverted person I know, and I – and. <laughs> And you know, I have this. I have this memory of was not last year. What was it last? No, it was the year before. I was turning thirty three, and the girl that I was seeing, and the guy that I was seeing, they had never met each other. And I rented this, you know, amazing loft, and um, we went out for my favorite whiskey bar right before. And then we all ended up back at the loft afterwards. And that night I had the bustling soiree and the intimate one-on-one in like the best threesome I've ever had ever. And there was something so delicious about dancing both those elements. So being really, really social and then being so like tabooly intimate, it almost felt like nothing else existed in the world except the three of us. And that's how I can describe my paradox is that I love to be around people if it's within the limits of me wanting to be there and I want to socialize and I want to flirt and I want to flex but I really 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 love deep one-on-ones 
um, I just need to be in public to get that energy too. Like I need that bustling energy. I need the city. I need the lights. I need the music. I need the noise. And without it, I suffer. Yeah. Yeah. And you live in, you live in a universe where and exists, like you can have the one-on-one conversation (laughs) and mingle through a bustling soiree. So that question was a bit of a trick. I know for you, the answer can definitely be both. (laughs) You just made me think about something. See, I can't be present for the one-on-one without the energy I get out socializing, Mm. but I could be I could find the energy to socialize without having the one-on-one. One. Yes. That's the energy only flows one. Yeah. It doesn't flow both ways. Got it. So I actually need, I actually need that energetic social outside getting dressed up, hearing the music being like, that is important to me now that I think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Angel, it has been a sensory delight to speak with you today and to hear more about the secrets women keep, the secrets you keep, and the secrets of death and rebirth. I'm just wondering, (laughs) where can we find you? Sure. So if anybody is curious about who it is I am, what it is I do, how to get in my pants, how to dance in my skull, how to have a hot conversation, Hotline Bling, you can find me at www.angel-phoenix.com, phoenix, P-H-O-E-N-I-X.com, since everybody seems to make a typo on that one. Alternatively, you can hit me up on instagram.com forward slash the underscore Angela underscore Gallo or any other of my social media hangouts. I have an app and a new podcast hitting the loop soon called the crystal ball modern mysticism for the cosmically inclined. And that's going to be all sex, magic, um, astro intuitive goodness. And I am floating on about just give a Google, find who it is. I am. I'm sure you'll come across a picture of my tits and a few of my secrets. And I don't think you'll mind. (laughs) (laughs) yes yes angel i couldn't love you anymore your brazen business coaching changed me last year and uh quite something open that was just dying for release it created one of some of the happiest moments for me in 2020 full activation and thank you again for for the ideas for the love for the juice for the cheerleading for yeah, for all of the delights that you've given me through your Instagram oh. work and our time together, just thank you. And listeners, go and follow Angel on Instagram. She will, again, remind you every day that you're alive and that you're here. And that is the fucking point. <laughs> oh, my God. Thank you so much. Thank you for receiving so the transmission. <laughs> thank you for seeing me. Thank you for validating my special brand of crazy. And thank you for accepting and celebrating me in my bathroom stall moments, baby. Uh, It's a pleasure, an absolute pleasure. I hope this episode has contributed to your understanding of your secret self. If you've enjoyed it, please share it on Instagram and tag me in it so more women can feel seen and understood. And if you never want to miss an episode, then subscribe so you don't miss a whisper. (laughs) 